0: seated. So glad you're here. So glad you came. Want to welcome those of you that are also joining us online. Uh, We're also very glad that you are. So we're going through second Peter, verse by verse on Sunday morning, second service. Today's text is going to be chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. I know you just sat down, but I'll just ask you You don't have to, but if you're able and want to, you can stand, follow along as I read the text. If not, where you're seated is fine. The Apostle Peter is continuing now, and by the Holy Spirit, verse 8 says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord, verse 9, is not slow in keeping His promise as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But, verse 10, the day of the Lord will come like a thief the heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Let's pray. If you would please join with me, we'll ask God to bless this to our understanding. Father in heaven, thank you for your word and thank you for this portion that we have here before us today in your word. Lord, we're with great anticipation looking to you to, by the Holy Spirit, as only you can, first and foremost, get our attention. And then once you've got our attention, you've got to hold our attention so that our minds don't wander, especially with this particular passage, because of what's here in it for us today. Lord, we know that You want to speak into our lives, in and through Your Word. That's not really the question or the prayer. The prayer is that when, not if You speak, that we would have ears to hear and hearts to receive what it is that You want to speak into our lives. You're always speaking, always instructing, always teaching. But are we hearing and learning and heeding, taking heed to Your Word? So today, Lord, that's why we're here. And so we're just going to ask You to do that for us by the Holy Spirit. Lord, speak in that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. And thank You, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen Amen. and Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So we're going to talk about my favorite subject of all time, that it seems like I talk about all the time. No, there's a reason for it. No, just a minute now. Uh, This is because that's what Peter's talking about. And I know this is deeply profound, but we're going verse by verse through Peter. So since Peter's talking about it, well, we're going to talk about it. What are we going to talk about? Well, how close the rapture is. Uh, Spoiler alert, it's really close, (laughs) as we're about to see. Actually, what I want to do today is answer the question, of just how close we are to the return of Jesus Christ to rapture His church. And the reason is, is because this is what the Apostle Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is writing to these Christians then. It's for them then, but how much more so is this for us now? What he's doing is explaining even clarifying this matter of why it seems like the Lord is delaying. Why is the Lord not returning? It seems like it's taking a long time. I expected the Lord to have come by now. Why does it seem like He's slow? emphasis added, in keeping His promise. Now he's addressed this in the prior verses, because this was the issue that they were dealing with. Not only were they dealing with this in their own hearts concerning the Lord's return, but they were dealing with these mockers who were ridiculing them, it it seems all the time, mocking them. And and ridiculing them and scoffing at this notion of the Lord. Where's the interesting word promise of the Lord's return? It seems like everything just keeps going on as it always has. What makes you so sure that it's in your lifetime? Everybody thought it was in their lifetime. Yeah, I know. Even the Apostle Paul thought it was. When he says, we who are alive and remain will be caught up. Paul was a we. Let me try that again. When he says we, he's referring to himself, we. Notice he he didn't write in 1st Thessalonians 4, by the way, (laughs) the go to rapture passage. Notice, he doesn't say, uh, the people who were alive at the time and remain will be caught up. No, he says, we who are alive and remain will be caught up. Why? Because the doctrine of imminence is such that nothing has to happen before the rapture happens. Could the rapture have happened in Paul's day? Yes, I'm glad it didn't. Let me just think about that. I'll let that sink in a little bit. Um, the rapture could have happened at any time. Wait, are you saying there were no prerequisites or preconditions or any kind of signs? No, the rapture is a signless event. Nothing has to happen before the rapture happens. So it's in that context that the Apostle Peter's wanting to kind of settle their hearts and sort of explain why it is that I know it seems like the Lord is delaying His coming. He's slow in keeping His promise. But actually, I want to uh, encourage you, because that is certainly not the case. So after spending some time praying and preparing to teach this text, I organized it into three sections. And the three sections are really three factors to consider in order for us to understand just how close we really are to the rapture. Just how close is the rapture? Well, three factors to consider in that equation. And the first one is the Lord's timing, verse 8. Now interesting here, Peter refers to Psalm 90, verse 4, it says, for a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Now, the question needs to be asked why would Peter reference this psalm, and why does he bring this and factor it into the discussion concerning the Lord's return? I believe for two reasons. The first of which is the factor, again, of how we see time in the finite whereas god is outside of time in the infinite and it's a much needed perspective a change in perspective because god is the god of time god created time. God lives outside of time, but God did not create us for time. God created us for eternity. Now, it is impossible for us in the finite to even begin to comprehend or fathom the infinite. So this, don't get me wrong. I hope this doesn't come off wrong, but God has a problem. God doesn't have problems, but the problem, we're, we're the problem because how's God? The problem is, how's God going to communicate the infinite to us in the finite? So he's got to use these anthropomorphisms. What's an anthropomorphism? Uh, Makes me sound like I really know what I'm talking about. (laughs) It's just an identifying of God in human terms. Example, the hand of God. Uh, the eyes of the Lord. These are anthropomorphisms. These are God explained in finite human terms so that we can wrap our finite minds around who God is. So such is the case here with the Apostle Peter, again inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's writing about your timing is not God's timing. Shocker. Our ways are not His ways. Our thoughts are not our thoughts. And aren't you glad by the way that our thoughts are not our thoughts? Could you imagine if how we think was how God thinks? What do you think? Well, He wouldn't be God if that were the case. How about His ways are not our ways? His ways are too high for our understanding. Why? Because He's infinite and we're only finite. So again, how's God going to can I use the word download? I know it's a computer m- metaphor. He's going to download this to a hard drive that is finite in its capacity. So how's he going to do that? Well, he's got to draw some comparisons in order to put his return in its right and proper perspective. And this is one of the reasons why Peter quotes Psalm ninety verse 4. It gives us now sort of a gauge. We've got now something we can kind of get our hands on, our mind around. Okay, a day. Well, to the Lord, uh, one day is like a thousand years for us. Now if you think that through, which is, this is what makes people's hair hurt, people who still have hair. Uh, But if you think that through, from the time of Adam to the present has been approximately 6,000 years. We're going to talk about that in a moment. 6,000 years. So think about this. Let this sink in. It's only been six days for the Lord since He created Adam, just to put it into perspective. Well, now that's kind of a game changer. Oh, I mean, it's been six thousand long years. And here's God going, it was a week ago. What are you talking about? so this is, so last week you were here, right? Just say you were here last week. You probably weren't. But if you were, uh, great. So do you realize that that's, well, I know this is deeply profound. It's been seven days. So think about that now, from the infinite perspective of God, who is above time living outside of time. Uh, He created Adam on Monday. We were here on Sunday. He created Adam on Monday. And now it's six days later. Does that help? I sure hope so, because that's the best I got. There's a second reason, and this is where I wanted to go with this. And it is so powerful. And if you're anything like me, and I suspect you are, it is amazing in terms of biblical typology and biblical numerology. What do you mean by that? Well, we have types, shadows, pictures, what I call Scripture pictures throughout, throughout the Bible where it's a picture of that which is yet coming, the typology. So example would be, and we've talked about this, I'm going to use um, yeah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No, I'm going to use Enoch and Noah. They're all good, but let's just go with Enoch and Noah. Enoch is a type of the church, and Noah a type of Israel. Okay. So what do we know about Enoch? One day he woke up, just like any other day, got dressed, just like any other day, and walked with God, and then poof, he was no more. Why? Because God took him. Where? He raptured him, pre-flood. So he's a picture of the church being raptured, pre-tribulation. So now here's Noah and his family, a picture of Israel. What about them? Well, they go into the flood, are saved in the midst of the flood. That's Israel. They go into the tribulation. They are saved in the midst of the tribulation. The whole nation comes to salvation. That's the purpose of the tribulation. Okay, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Just why not? Oh, by the way, Seven, seven. This is going to come into play. Just bear with me. Be patient with me. Noah was in the ark with his family for seven days before the rain started falling. That's the seven year tribulation. Fast forward. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, thrown into the fiery furnace seven times hotter. Not six, not eight seven. Why? Because it's a type of the seven year tribulation. And you know the the story about how this went down. True story, by the way. This actually happened. They're thrown into the fire. (laughs) So hot was this fire, it burned alive and killed the guys who threw them in. So there they are. And all of a sudden, King Nebuchadnezzar is going, wait, We threw three guys in there. There's four, and the fourth looks like the Son of God. That's because it is. And then that's Jesus, a pre Bethlehem appearance of Jesus Christ saving the Jews in the midst of the seven times hotter fiery furnace a type, a foreshadow, a picture of the Jewish nation coming to salvation in the midst of the seven year tribulation. Are we good so far? Why are you looking at me like that? Where's Daniel? He's not there. Why? Oh, pre-furnace, Enoch pre-flood, Daniel pre-furnace, exalted, taken up to a high position, pre-furnace, a picture of the church, a type of the pre-tribulation rapture. By the way, I, I should probably devote just a moment to a simple explanation of what the rapture is. And this might, I hope in so doing, answer the question of, and doubtless you've heard this question asked. Well where does it say the word rapture in the Bible? And they say it just like that too, in Jesus' name. <laughs> and you tell them, well, if you have a Latin Bible, it's in 1st Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. Oh, you have an English Bible. I'm sorry, uh, the English words for rapturous in the Latin, which is a transliteration where we get the word rapture. So basically you can answer them. But don't be militant about it like I am. Just be gracious, you know, just say, hey, it is. The, the word rapture is in the Bible. In, If you have a Latin Bible, it's right there. It'll say rapturous, transliterated rapture. English words caught up too. Greek, harpazo. That's rapture. To be taken up with great force and great speed. That's what the rapture is. Uh, is that the second coming? No. It's before the tribulation. At the end of the tribulation is the second coming. As one so aptly said, the rapture is when Jesus comes for us. The second coming is when Jesus comes with us, his bride, 10,000 by his side. So, yeah, you can praise the Lord if you want. Okay, where was I now? This was a powerful, profound sermon already in progress. Oh yeah, we've got our types now, our our numerology and typology. So now Peter just got done telling us, just to give us kind of a measurement, to put it into perspective, that a, a day for the Lord is like a thousand years for us. Okay, so now we got a starting point, right? So if that's true, then that means that we're close. Because the seventh day, because seven comes after six, the sabbath rest, but it's 1000 years. Well, isn't that the millennium? Yeah. Wait, so Six days, 6,000 years from Adam to the present, the rapture happens, the seven year tribulation begins, the second coming at the end of the seven year tribulation, and then the millennium. Yeah, that's the seventh day slash thousand years. Do you see what Peter's doing here? Do you see where Peter's going here? Oh, it even gets better because when you go into the minor prophets, particularly Hosea, chapter 6, I'll read verses 1 and 2, we read this, Come, and let us return unto the LORD, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. This is Israel. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. And I want you to pay particular attention to this, he says, after two days, He will revive us. In the third day He will raise us up, and we shall live in His sight. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, let's go back to our measurement of a thousand years. I'm having way too much fun with this, aren't I? (laughs) You're going, I wish I could have as much fun as you are. Well, I'll try to make it funner for you. Uh, Wait, so a thousand, wait, so okay. So 2,000 years. Yeah. Well, that, so 4,000 years from Adam to the first coming of Christ. Yeah. And I know, again, it's deeply profound, but four plus two is six. And on the third day they're resurrected. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) the third day. Come on, please connect those dots. That's the resurrection on the beginning of the morning of the third thousandth day. Are we still okay? What's four plus three? God, yeah, that took you way too long. Seven, seven. So two days, two thousand years. Was Israel smitten? Yes. Was Israel torn? Yes. Was Israel bound? Yes. Well, what happened after the two days slash 2000 years? They were revived, brought back into their land. And that was after two days, but we're not done yet, because on the third day they're going to be raised up resurrected. That's the seventh day. That's the beginning of the 1000 year millennial reign on earth with Jesus Christ. So, pastor, what's your point? I have a point. And my point is this. Seems like the Lord is delaying His coming. And it's just, man, oh my goodness, man, it's been so long. And well, it's only been six days. And here's the good news, if you want to answer the question of how close is the rapture. We're like at the end of the sixth day, according to this. And And for Israel, it's the end of the second day. And what comes after the second day? <laughs> Thank you, the third day. That was better. (laughs) The third day. So how close are we? You guys, I'm going to tell you, just to try to put it into perspective, that we're very close. We're closer than you could possibly even imagine. And here's why. It's been six days. So anytime now. So you, you think that it's like slow. That's not very slow. Hey, I was just uh, thinking about this this last week. In fact, I asked my wife about this. It's kind of like, I cannot believe that it's already going to be Sunday tomorrow. This is my Saturday. Uh, It's not good to be around me on Saturday nights. It's like Sundays keep coming every week right on time. (laughs) And it's not that they keep coming right on time. Because here, meanwhile, I'm man, I'm like, Lord, do you know what day it is? Yes, I created the day. I know what day it is, JD. Sundays are coming. I know, comes every week. But my problem is, is that it feels like to me that it's moving faster. Oh, good. Thank you for that response. Uh, does it seem like that to you, that things are moving? I I know it's not, you know, logical that, you know, somehow things are speeding up. But I know in my world, uh, yesterday was Monday, and it's already Sunday. Today's Sunday. But it seemed like when I went to bed last night, it was, it was Monday. And I woke up, it's already Sunday. That's my point. It, it's, it's fast. It's close it's soon, it's quick. Jesus in Revelation, numerous times, uses a very interesting word in the Greek when he says, behold, I come quickly. I'm so glad he didn't say, behold, I come slowly. I mean, that's what you think. No, behold, I come quickly. That word in the original language of the Greek New Testament is the word tacos, where we get, not tacos, (laughs) where we get our English word for the tachometers, tachometers, which are a measurement of revolutions per minute, RPMs. So the set, the time is set, one minute. What's the gauge then? It's the revolutions per one minute. So what was Jesus saying? He was saying, behold, look, I'm coming at a time when things are revved up, revving up, moving fast. (laughs) Are things moving fast? Hello? So we're close. The Lord's timing is not our timing. Number two, the Lord's patience, verse 9. Now, we're going to get personal. This second factor. And I really need for you to think through this with me, especially for those of you close in proximity to my age. Do you remember that there were those who were sure that the rapture was going to happen in the year 1981? I'm so glad it didn't, because I didn't get saved till 1982. (laughs) So how close are we? Well, we're close, but the Lord is patient. What do you mean He's patient? Well, He doesn't want any to perish. It's not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now we need to talk about this word repentance, because in fact, uh, uh, a good friend of mine uh, uh, did a teaching titled, Repenting from our use of the word repentance. (laughs) Well, now I got your attention, or at least the Holy Spirit does. What do you mean? Oh, we've misused, I'll even say abused this word repentance, and now we've made it a precondition for salvation. In other words, you need to get saved. How am I going to get saved? Well, you need to first repent. Oh, well, oh, you mean there's something you have to do? Yeah, you've got to repent. And so when I say the word repent, what comes to mind? I, I can't read your mind. Wait, no, I can't read your mind. What comes to your mind when you hear the word repent? Get your act together, man. You better clean up your act. That's not what repent means. How absurd is that? I better clean up my act before I come to the Lord. The like, why do you need to take a shower? I'm going to give you a bath. I'm going to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. Have you ever heard someone say, and sometimes it's always, you know, kind of in a humorous way. You know, I I better not go to church, man. The walls will cave in. What do you think we are? You know, holy. You You should see us on Mondays. It's a whole different. So the the whole picture of church is that these are people that got their act together. No, we're not don't look at the person sitting next to you when I say this, but we are dirty, rotten, stinking sinners, saved by grace. So back to our word repent. What does repent mean? Wait for it. Change of mind. Wait, what? That's what the word repentance means, to change your mind well, wait, I, I thought I had to make a decision. No, just change your mind so God can change your heart, because He's not going to force Himself on you. He's given you free will. And He wants you, we talked about this last week, I think, or maybe it was Thursday night, that God wants us to choose Him out of love, not by force, which is why He lets sin run its course. It's also why he did not just zap Lucifer, which I would have totally done. You know, he he didn't zap Lucifer on the spot when Lucifer's like, I'm going to ascend my throne above the most high. I'd be like, really, are you? Zap. Anybody else want to? You know what would have happened if he would have done that? The whole heavenly host would have started serving him out of fear. Oh, could you hear what they were whispering about? Did you hear what happened to Lucifer? No. Yeah, no, way, wait. And God zapped him on the spot. You better watch our step around here now. No, he doesn't want that. He wants our worship. He wants us to love Him serve Him. Not because we have to, it's a get to, not a got to. So all repentance means is to change your mind. And when you change your mind, you're, you're, you're changing the direction you were going in. And then when you repent, change your mind, and you go in the other direction and do a 180, that's when you come to Christ it's not like a box that has to be checked off. I repent. Wait, you did? Do you know what repentance means? Yeah, I, I repented. I, I repent again for the 810th time. It's not a precondition. You just believe. That's all you do. For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would repent, no, believe. Sorry, that was a little strong. Whosoever would believe in Him. Well, okay, I'm going to change my mind and how I believe. I just repented and didn't even know it. That's what repentance is. You know, when we do the ABCs of salvation, which we've been doing for a couple few years now. By the way, people are getting saved all over the world. Who knew? So simple. So, I mean, we get testimonies all the time from people all over the world. I just, I heard the ABCs. was like, no way it's that simple. Yeah. I thought I had to like do stuff first, you know, like repent. No, just. you have to do is believe. Put your trust in, believe in Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. That's, That's what repentance is. For me, it was 40, oh wow, 41 years ago now. Whoa, I look pretty good for 41, I think. I wish I was still 41 actually not really, come to think of it. (laughs) Um, There's something about age and wisdom, I think. But uh, 41 years ago, cold January night on the mainland. I mean, I, I didn't know anything. All I knew was, I just heard somebody explain the gospel in a simple way that even I could understand. And I went into—I was living with roommates at the time. I went into the room, and I, I'm not proud of this. And I'm, uh, please, uh, you know, understand when I refer to this that I was very intoxicated. I was on on drugs, and I mean, I just—I prayed myself to sleep. And I—and my, my prayer wasn't anything, you know, like, I this day, O oh God, repent. No, honestly, and this is not hyperbole, I literally prayed, I want to, go to hell. I want to, go to heaven. And I was saved. What happened? I changed my mind. I believed in Jesus. I fell asleep. I woke up the next morning. I'm a new creation, man. I just didn't know yet, because see, I had to start my day off with the alcohol, the tobacco, the drugs, and all of the above. I went to reach for that, but now the Holy Spirit is indwelling me, going, hey, you don't need that anymore. I'm like, yes, I do. I've been trying for years to try to quit this in my own willpower. He said, no, you don't need it anymore. The desire was taken away. Listen, I know it's different for everybody. For me, it was quite dramatic. I think it had to be. I'm one of those cases, if you know what I mean. And so it was so dramatic. And, and I mean, I just had no desire. And all of a sudden now the Holy Spirit in me was creating this hunger and thirst for the things of God. And now I'm like, I want to read the Bible. You could have never gotten me to read the Bible before. But see, I've changed my mind, and now God has started that process of changing my heart from the inside out. And so I had to go out and buy a Bible. I made the mistake of buying a King James Bible. That's all I knew. And I'm reading this thing going, huh? (laughs) No disrespect. I know there are people that are very protective of their King James Bibles. But I thought, I just, you know, thee, thy, thou, this isn't working for me. Uh, So I went out and got what was known at the time as a Good News Bible. I mean, this thing, the vocab, and even that was a stretch the vocabulary was very limited. And I read, I couldn't put it down. I could have, I would have never, did no. But now I'm a new creation. And and that's, that was 1982. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't come back in 1981. I would have gone into the tribulation. Who knows what would have happened. What, What year did you get saved? Don't answer. Just, you know what year you got saved, right? By the way, if you're here and you've never called upon the name of the Lord, believing in your heart, we're not going to let you leave until, you know, again, God doesn't force you. Yeah. Um, For those of us that are born again of the Spirit of God, you know when you got saved. There's no mistaking it. But aren't you glad that Jesus didn't come before that year that you got saved? That's what Peter's saying. He's patient. It's not God's will that any perish. He wants all people. You know, hell was never created for man. Hell was created for the devil and his demons, not for man. As one so aptly said it, if anybody goes to hell for eternity, they do so over Christ's dead, buried, and resurrected body. He died so that you won't go there. So He's patient. This brings us to the third and last one. And I'm going to need to explain this one, if you'll just kind of hang in there with me in verse 10. It's the Lord's day, not to be confused with what we affectionately refer to as today, the Lord's day. This is better understood as the day of the Lord. Now this is probably as good of a time as any to delineate between the day of the Lord in verse 10 and Lord willing next week, the day of God in verse 12. There's a distinction. What's the day of the Lord? The day of the Lord is the commencement of the seven year tribulation. The day of the Lord is not the rapture. The day of the Lord is the tribulation, the beginning of the tribulation. What's the day of God? Well, again, we'll see this Lord willing next week, but the day of God is the new heavens and the new earth after the millennium. That's the day of the Lord and the day of God. That's the distinction. But for purposes of our context and study today, I want to hone in on the day of the Lord. This is the final factor. And it should encourage every single one of us who long for the Lord's appearing, appearing, not coming, appearing, when He comes to rapture His bride. He doesn't come to earth. He catches up off and out of the earth. That's the appearing. And it is very distinct throughout Scripture, chief of which is in 2nd Thessalonians 2. And we talk about it often, and I think it would be appropriate to at least reference it again for the sake of the context of our study today. The Apostle Paul is writing his second letter to the church in Thessalonica, 2nd Thessalonians. And it's shortly after his first letter, which, by the way, was his very first letter. The very first letter that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write was to the Thessalonians. And interesting, because the Thessalonian church was a very young church, not age, spiritual age. They were new Christians. And this is a church that Paul himself planted. And he only stayed there for some believe maybe three months at the most. And so why is this important? Because when He writes to them, He reminds them of what He taught them when He was with them. What did He teach them when He was with them? The rapture. Oh, you can't do that. They're new believers. You need to teach them the fundamentals of the faith. This is a fundamental. It's the gospel. And by the way, it's the first time the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, presents the gospel, not to the Corinthians chapter 15. That would come later. Why is that important? Because he says, this is the gospel. I preached, don't you remember when I was there with you guys for three months? Before he was ran out of town, literally, under the threat of death. He loved this church and he wished he could have stayed longer. So he writes to them and he says, don't you remember what I taught you when I was there about the rapture? It's the gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus Christ was crucified. He was buried and He resurrected on the third day. Don't stop there. That's not the complete gospel. The complete gospel in 1st Thessalonians, the first time the Apostle Paul mentions the gospel, it's the crucifixion, the burial, the resurrection on the third day, and the rapture coming any day. That's the gospel, the good news. Isn't that good news? I mean, if the the good news is, yeah, he rose from the dead. Have a nice afternoon. Okay, good news. I don't mean to make light of it. But I was thinking uh, this morning, actually, I should have probably looked up the reference to be more accurate, but just be gracious to me here. You remember when Jesus ascended in the book of Acts and they're all staring? And then the angel of the Lord says to him, what are you you staring at? The, The same way that He's ascended will be the same way that He appears when He comes back. Whoa, that's the good news. So the day of the Lord, Peter says, will come like a thief in the night. The thief. We've talked about this. I hope you don't tire of me using this illustration. But you'll never have a thief send you a text message ahead of time saying, uh, I'm going to rob you at 2 a.m. Is that a good time uh, for me to come? No, you don't expect the thief. That's the whole point. So Peter's saying it's so close, it's closer than anyone could possibly expect, just like you would not expect a thief to come in the night. Oh, here, here's an uh, example, real quick. Uh, talked about it in the update for service. So, uh, over a couple weeks ago now, almost three weeks ago, we lost electricity in our home. I'm not talking about this windstorm. So I wasn't expecting it, and I was unprepared. And it was actually very traumatizing, because I was in the bathroom when it happened. And it's like, what? And I'm waiting for it to come back on, and it doesn't come back on. And it's dark. And of course, thank God for our satanic devices. I mean, our devices that have flashlights. So I've I'm, I'm got the flashlight on. I'm like, where, where's my flashlights and lanterns and battery? And I can't find them. And then when I did find them, guess what? Yeah, batteries are dead. Oh, you know exactly what's happening. The batteries were dead. I was totally unprepared. Why? Because I wasn't expecting it. So the thief comes in and you're totally unprepared. Why? Because you weren't expecting it. So, what Peter's saying here is no, expect it. So, the electricity comes on six hours later. <laughs> Whatever. And you know what's interesting is I look across the street and they still have their electricity. I'm starting to think. I don't know about this. Just us? Hmm. Anyway, I get enough of my problems. So electricity finally comes back on. Yay. You know what I did? I bought 5,328 flashlights, lanterns, three boxes of batteries. I even got a battery operated fan, because it gets hot when the electricity goes off. You don't have fan or air conditioning. Oh, we're so pampered and soft, aren't we? So, it was rough. I I I'm, I'm telling you, it's total PTSD over this thing. Anyway, I even got a, a battery-operated fan. I'm ready now. And you know what happened? The wind started kicking up and the electricity went out. I'm like, <laughs> "Hello, power outage?" I've been expecting you. That's what Peter's saying. Be prepared, be ready. Yeah, but it's, it's not going to happen. It hasn't happened. It's taken a long time to happen. It seems like he's slow. No. The thing about the electricity, the power outage, which I think is a, I think God knew that I needed a sermon illustration, which maybe that's why the neighbors still had their electricity. Anyway, so the thing about it is it happened suddenly, as a thief in the night, and it can happen anytime. So now let's talk about your perspective on timing. You know, right now, and this is going to, I know that people get weird when I do stuff like this, but it's a gift. Right now, the electricity could go out. Don't go out, please. <laughs> uh, would you, you wouldn't expect that to happen right now, right? I mean, we got the, some trade winds, deceptive those trade winds, because they turn into storm winds and hurricane winds. But anyway, it's sunny now. It's sunny right now, trade winds. You're not expecting it, right? Well, expect it, because it could happen. All it's going to take is for somebody, God forbid, to run into a power pole, which is I think what happened, and knock down the, the power, or hit a tree, and the tree limb takes down the power line, and it's lights out, baby. That's how the rapture can be. That's how close the rapture is. It can happen just like that, suddenly. So let's let's put this in its proper perspective. I want to close with one thing here that is not so easily seen at first read, and it has to do with the word will. I really like the word will, especially in this context. Because Peter says the day of the Lord will come. The heavens will disappear. The elements will be destroyed. And the earth will be laid bare. It will happen. When? Soon. Well, how soon? Very soon. Today, perhaps. Yes. Are we that close? We just saw it's It's the end of the sixth day. For Israel, it's the end of the second day. We're there. We're there. So let's factor this into our question of how close is the rapture and answer it with this understanding. We are so close that it could happen at any time. Be ready. Be ready. Come on up, David. Why don't you go ahead and stand up. We'll close in prayer. And I love talking about the rapture. Nobody talks about the rapture anymore, by the way. You know that? They stay away. Too controversial. You know, because there's different views. Uh, There's one view right here. Father in heaven, I, I thank You so much for the blessed hope, which is really our only hope, of ever getting out of this dying world, this evil world. And this hope that we have, that You could come at any time. It can happen so suddenly and we are at the end based on what You say in Your Word. So, Lord, I pray this will be an encouragement for those who have maybe become discouraged, longing for Your return. But also, Lord, I pray that it, if need be, will light a fire under those for whom their being on fire for you once burned brighter than it does now. Maybe it's cooled and Lord would you you reignite it? Because of how close we are? Lord, thank you for this passage and even the verses that follow. Lord, thank You for inspiring Peter to write this, because we need to hear this. We want to hear this. We want to know this. So thank You, Lord, in Jesus' name, Amen.